Welcome everybody to episode five of Heart of the Bookkeeper. I'm Rob Marshall and we're really excited that you've joined us again on another episode of this podcast. We're only a quarter of the way through the year of 2021 and yet the responses we're getting to this podcast are simply stunning and we're loving the fact that you're loving joining us as we produce each episode. Today we have yet another special episode for you. We have a lady by the name of Mel Power. Mel is well known in the bookkeeping community in Australia, but as with all the episodes that we've had to date, you may be surprised with some of the things that Mel shares with us today. Mel talks a lot about the importance of encouragement. She talks a lot about a hashtag that she's created called paying it forward. And what does that really mean when it comes to bookkeeping and the bookkeeping process and the bookkeeping community that we move in? We also talk about the state of affairs in America right now, following a recent trip that Mel has done right in the middle of the pandemic to the United States. How do you survive quarantine when you're married? That's another thing we examine. And we also talk about the properties of a pizza. Uh, How we get to that, you'll have to listen right to the end. So hang in there, sit back and enjoy wherever you are right now to episode five of Heart of the Bookkeeper, Mel Power. Mel Power, welcome to this episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Rob. Tell me, tell me right off the bat, hashtag my Maitland. I see that a lot on your uh, social media posts. I love it. I'm going to declare I am the ignorant Australian traveller who thinks he's travelled a lot, but I've never been to Maitland. Tell me about hashtag my Maitland. I love that you've picked that up. Wow, my marketing's working. (laughs) Um, Well, Maitland is home. Uh, It's a rural town in New South Wales, west, about 30 minutes west of Newcastle, which is a coastal town just about two hours north of Sydney. So Maitland is a beautiful rural town. I've been living here since 1992. And hashtag my Maitland is the local tourism association hashtag to promote the area. So I actually started my bookkeeping business here in Maitland and I'm still involved. Um, I'm on the board of the business chamber here. So, uh, you know, it's Maitland's delivered in droves for me through many different businesses. So I'm very close to the small business community and have a real passion to be involved and promote the small businesses in the area that I live in. So to help me out and the the listeners who clearly haven't also, like me, been to Maitland, describe Maitland to me. Is it, you know, flat? Is it hilly? Is it lots of water? Is it, what's Maitland? Well, considering the rain we've had in the last two weeks, I would say that there were a lot more water views across Maitland than would have been normally. (laughs) But Maitland is rural, beautiful green grass, gateway to the vineyards. So lots of great Hunter Valley wines, great fresh produce. The Hunter River goes smack bang uh, through the middle of it, which in its day was the main uh, route for trade, you know, with paddle steamers and and shipping coming through from Maitland into Morpeth right down into the harbour. But uh, there's a lot of uh, history here. It's uh, big on communities. So you'll still walk down the main street of town and people will stop and say hello and you'll see people talking. It's, It's lovely. 
I love it. Sounds strangely like Bunbury to me, Mel, but, um, yeah, the gateway to the vineyards, there you go. So maybe it's not as foreign to me as I I thought it was, but I'm looking forward to a visit to Maitland one day and I'm sure I'll... I was just going to say... I'm guessing I'll just have to walk into town and say Mel Power and somebody somewhere will go, I know where Mel lives. (laughs) Actually, if you just say the zero lady, most of them will know me. The zero lady, yeah. (laughs) Right, there we go. So, good segue... Bookkeeping. You're you're clearly somebody who exudes strength and confidence when it comes to so many things. And I know what an amazingly passionate person you are about life in general. And we will get back to that in a, in a little while. But your bookkeeping journey. Where, where did it start? I'm I'm very um, careful, and and you're a lot younger than me, I reckon. But uh, I'm careful not to ask anyone their age these days. But how long have you been in bookkeeping, for example, and where did it all start? Well, Rob, I'm just going to break the mystery. I did reach the big five O last year, and I happened to be in Nashville when that happened. But we'll talk about we that later. We will get to that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I want to know all about that one. So <laughs> it's fun. My bookkeeping journey started uh, when I was um, a trainee accountant in a little taxation firm in Walls End, which is kind of in between Maitland and Newcastle. And I was the mobile tax preparer and I had this little yellow van. It was kind of like the mystery van from Scooby-Doo, we called it. (laughs) Um, So now you know how old I am because I'm talking about Scooby-Doo cartoons. Um, But that's where it started. I would drive around and do... uh, tax returns for people at home for the grand sum of $15 per tax return. Wow. (laughs) And so, you know, I had my master tax guide and really my journey started there, Rob, because what I realised is that when you're doing taxes for people, you're looking at what's happened in the past and a lot of these people weren't just individuals, they had small businesses and their books were in a mess. So what I started to do was come back and revisit these people during the year quarterly and just do all all the books for them and say, well, actually, okay, you know what? You're doing well. Let's do more of this or you're not doing so well. So instead of them looking in the revision mirror all the time, they were actually able to look out the front Mm. of the windscreen Mm. and start to make effective decisions. And that's really where my love of bookkeeping and systems uh, really developed, and I realised that I just didn't really enjoy tax. <laughs> I think there's a, a, a number of listeners right now saying, "Amen, sister." We, we love, <laughs> yes, we love the fact that we can do all the heavy lifting and then just hand it over to the tax agent. So there you go; it's all yours. It's not a common story, but it's one that um, certainly for those of us who have hit the big five O. Um, <laughs> and I'm shocked by that, Mel. I didn't think you're anywhere near there. But anyway, um, for those of us, <laughs> uh, flattery get you everywhere on Heart of the Bookkeeper. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of us who are from that generation, you might say, I think we all probably assumed initially that tax was where we were headed when we perhaps got into yeah. into the zone. But quickly we discovered or or in some ways, I guess many of us played a huge path in guiding bookkeeping to where it is today. You mentioned, um, you know, you sort of fell in love with doing all things to do with process. And I've noticed that I've seen somewhere written where 
you have been declared, and it's not you that's declared this, it's those who surround you, that you are the queen of the spreadsheet. You have a spreadsheet for everything is what I read. So is this true or <laughs> you want to explain? Oh, my secret's out. Don't tell the software companies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... So, you know, I've run motorcycle dealerships on spreadsheets and, you know, I still, when it comes to managing cash flow, that you still just can't beat spreadsheets. And, you know, even obviously I teach more about sales and marketing than I do about bookkeeping these days. And, you know, there is a spreadsheet for for marketing data, I can tell you, I've got them. <laughs> yes, and I think that's what the reference was to, that uh, if, the, if, you mm. want a, if you want a good spreadsheet, you need to go and knock on Mel Power's door because she's, she's usually <laughs> got one in her back pocket somewhere, so that's, that's very good. The, the other trait that I've been, you know, I've been scrolling through some of the comments that your members or your clients and that have made over the journey and the word that keeps coming up regularly about you, Mel, and this is something I'm really interested in because it's right in my hitting zone and that is the word encourager, that you are viewed to be a, um, a huge encourager. And, and how I want to pose this is clearly that comes naturally to you, but why do you think encouragement is, is really important, certainly in, in our community, for example? What a great question, Robin. First of all, I'm absolutely honoured that my people around me and my tribe, so to speak, and sphere <laughs> of people that follow me feel that way because uh, now I'm openly a woman of faith and I definitely believe that the man upstairs has gifted me with a gift of encouragement. So, you know, I believe that we should be obedient and use the gifts that we are given to serve others. So for me, being encouraging is something it's like on an unlimited tap. So mm. it just kind of just wells up inside me and I see things in people that I think you need to know how amazing you are and you need to have somebody else tell you that you can do this and you have got everything in you. You just need to take that step. So I think it's like uh, everyone has their gifts and this just happens to be mine. I'd also add that my father growing up was a massive influence on me and he yeah. said to me from such a very young age, he said, you know what, Mel, you can do anything and achieve anything that you want to if you put your mind to it. And I think that's just something that's kind of really uh, stayed with me for most of my life. Even now I still hear dad going, Mel, you can do this. And he's still alive and well. He's actually right in the house at the moment. They're doing uh, something in here. But, yeah. He's probably right next door saying, Mel, well, keep going. You're doing a good job there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is dad the, the number one influencer in your life or have there been others along the journey that have, have really played an integral role in Mel Power being where she is right now? Well, I definitely have to say my husband, Lincoln. Link, I know if you're listening, you know I love you. Um, you know, everyone deserves to have that partner that's with them. And Lincoln's very, very, doesn't like the limelight, so that's why you don't see much of him in social media posts. But, you know, he's the same. He's, you know, he encourages me, but he also gets to see me in other ways that other people don't. So I'm human too. And I have days when I think, I don't want to do this anymore. It's all just too hard. And, you know, <laughs> I just want to crawl up in the corner and cry or she said something mean to me. Yeah. You know, so you get all of that stuff as well. And he's always just that rock really that says, you know what, Mel, just remember why God put you here mm. and why you 
are doing what you're doing. And so he really keeps me on track and reminds me of my purpose. That is beautiful. That I hope the link does listen in on this because your appreciation of him is wonderful to hear. Just back on the encouragement point, um, would you agree? I've always felt that not everybody has to feel as though they have to be an encourager. Be prepared to accept encouragement. Encouragement is a two-way street, but to accept encouragement is just as important, if not more important, than being the encourager in the first place sometimes. I do agree. And I think there's another part to that. It's like encourage someone until they step into it. But underneath that is love somebody. Yeah. Until they step into that and they kind of go hand in hand. And sometimes you get faced with people that aren't easy to love or encourage. And, you know, that's when you go, okay, um, I just need something like Give me something that that I can say that's going to be meaningful to that person. Sometimes it's actually not words. Sometimes it's an action. Yeah. So I don't know if any of our listeners listeners have read a book called The Five Love Languages, but Mm. that's something that I apply to my life and the way that we teach and mentor. So I often like to think, well, I wonder what this person's love language is. How can I, if it's not words, is it an action or is it an act of service or is it time? And so you kind of try a few things until you kind of get a result. You go, oh, right, I know how best to serve that person. Great book, The Five Love Languages. I've read it. it. I'd recommend it to anybody. Write it down if you're listening right now. It is is yes. a real, not just an eye-opener, but it's, it's it's an encouragement in itself. Isn't it? I'm glad you raised that one. I, I, that's a book I read a long, long time ago, but it's all come flooding back now. It's a beauty um, Thank so, you, Gary Chapman. <laughs> yes, yeah, Gary. That's the author, Gary Chapman. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There you mm-hmm. go. The five love, love languages by Gary Chapman. Google it. So, just again, backtracking a little bit to that moment where bookkeeping became, you know, a revelation, perhaps, or that moment where you've gone, "This is this is a direction for me that I want to head off in." I'm guessing there was a period of time where maybe now with the knowledge that you have and can impart to so many people around Australia, you perhaps didn't tap into your practice as well as you should have. Is that correct? Am I, did you sort of have moments where you thought, why am I doing this? I know I, I mm. certainly did and I've shared that many times in, in different forums that I've, I've led or whatever you know, the amount of times that I look back now in those first couple of years in particular, maybe even first 10 years perhaps of my bookkeeping journey and my practice. Well, that exact thing that you've described is why I'm actually doing what I'm doing now to help others because I've been in practice two times in my life now. The first time was absolutely abysmal. Seriously, it just was you know, anyone that's seen any of my mentoring and training, I talk about the bookkeeping business treadmill where you're on that treadmill and you're working all these hours and you're trying to please everybody and you're not getting paid enough and you just don't have any time and you literally just want to get off and you can't. You run, run, run. So I was on that and I literally crashed and burned. And that was, you know, 2006, kind of just in Australia when the whole as agent thing start to come, to come, you know, to come in. And I literally just got off the bookkeeping business treadmill and went, I'm done. I'm never, ever doing this again in my life. My experience was so bad. 
And then I went off and did something different. I went and worked for legal software and I went and ran a motorcycle dealership. I became a finance broker and had a lot of fun. And that's when I really, really honed my sales and marketing skills, which is really where I shine the most. But I had another crack um, back in 2012, which is obviously what I'm most well known for growing, you know, that that practice to 120 clients and into, you know, six, seven figure business in a year. But what it, what it was is that I knew what I didn't want to do. So all the bad stuff that I'd gone through the first time, I went, you know, am I going to be really crazy and do this again? It was actually Lincoln that said, come on, Mel, you're really good at this. You're so good at helping people. This is what you should be doing. It was actually him that convinced me to do it a second time. And I had a lovely lady called Anna Cochran, who most bookkeepers would mm, know in Australia, yep, you know, know is, you know, my client's success director. We get to work together. Well, she was with me during that as well. But Rob, I, I think I've just about experienced every possible high and low in a bookkeeping mm. business and obviously went on then to work for Zero um, as their head of bookkeeping, which was just a blast. That was so much fun. But, you know, ultimately when you talk about encouraging people, as much as I loved my time at Zero, I'm an educator and I wanted to actually be able to educate people at a much deeper level. And so that's why I ended up here. But those moments that you're talking about, we've gone, I just want to walk away and put my head in my hands. Well, I actually did walk away. Mm. It was actually a bookkeeping community in Maitland. A lot of them are involved with ICB. Joe Trelfo, she's listening, has been mm. my friend. We love Joe. She's yeah. like been right by my side every step of the way. I love you, Joe. You're an amazing woman. Mm-hmm. So, again, that community, that bookkeeping community, even when I went on to zero and even when I had some of my very first speaking events and I didn't know what I was doing and remember the very first zero road show I ever went on, I was so scared. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? But bookkeepers that were sitting in the front row of those road shows saying, Mel, we're here because we know you can do this. Mm, isn't that amazing? Now that's the heart yes. of a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you've just uh, nailed it right there, I reckon. Um, with the zero experience, did that sort of bring to further revelation or did that change your thinking, just that, that experience itself, you know, getting inside a, obviously at a time, I, I seem to remember where zero was really just, you know, finding its feet in the marketplace here in Australia. And wow, look at what, look where it is now. It's amazing. Um, I think Anna, Anna and I led the share price in that a bit there just you quietly. Go. Oh, I, I hope you got a little bit of a clip of the ticket of that Hello, one. Rod. No. <laughs> no, I didn't actually. <laughs> so did, um, very did transparent, it, no. Did it, did it change you in any way, do you think, you know, the, the zero experience, you know, understanding that side of things, the corporate side of things? Yep. So look, this is another really good question. And you know what I'm loving about this? I'm actually sharing things that probably a lot of people don't know. Um, You know, you see out the front, you see what you think's going on for somebody. But underneath, I can tell you, there are times during that zero journey where I put my head in my hands going, what am I doing? It was very challenging. Uh, It was uh, a lot of you're on like 24-7 I was away from my family. It affected my marriage. 
my husband and I separated for a period of time, but, you know, found each other again. Like, you know, I was pretty high maintenance during that time. It was because it was a lot of travel. In saying that, um, I had a lot of amazing times and got to meet so many people and really the Grow Your Practice series that I started there in Zero allowed me to see what was possible. And some of those bookkeepers went on to become, you know, bookkeeper of the year and things like that. And I thought, wow, this stuff that I've learned in my own journey is actually impacting and helping people. Now, the the two sides of that were that I got a lot of accolade for that, but I also got a lot of backlash, tall poppy stuff, mm. actually. Mm. And some of it was very hurtful to the point I would have times where I would go home and cry mm. at night and I just, I just don't want to do this anymore because people are just so critical. And that was really, really, really tough. Again, there was a lot of people in the industry that did support me during that time as well. And you know, all know who you are, but it's never what you think or it's never, you know, what people think they're seeing on the outside. And I think that's a real, I'm, yeah, I'm really pleased that you've touched on that and been willing to share that because I think many of us in our community do go along and I wouldn't use the word envy, but sort of sit back and think, oh, I wouldn't mind, you know, getting the opportunity to to be in the limelight and up the front and all that sort of stuff. But it's not all a bed of roses at times because every word you say is hung on and every word that you yep. mention can be taken in many different ways and quite often not the way you intended it. And yeah, I, I, I'm glad you've raised that because I think as our community matures, if that's the word, I'd love to see more people acknowledge that those who are leading the community just purely by being up the front and being a mouthpiece are doing it for all the right intentions and don't intend to upset anybody or go down a a, a rabbit warren that people perceive. And I know you, you're being very, very candid about that. And I'm glad you have done, Mel, because I think that is the maturing part of our community that probably we need to continue to extend. We've got, like you said before, we've got incredible people in our community that are the encouragers and those who are willing to be encouraged. But just every now and then we hear a voice or two that just detracts from that. And I think it stabs at all our hearts because it really doesn't serve a great deal of good purpose. It doesn't. I mean, you know, Rob, I'm the first one to put my hand up and say, you know, I don't always get it right. I'm human. I'm definitely far from perfect. And I think... You know, I think all you can do is keep short accounts and, you know, is be authentic and say, well, you know what, if I did something that wasn't quite right or you were offended by it, well, from my heart to yours, I'm I'm deeply sorry. And I think all you can do is continue to live to your own values and ethics. And as we've talked about, loving and encouraging people and be confident in that. But, you know, it's really funny when I look at this journey I've been on, and it's even gone even further, obviously, you know, with going to the yes and all the rest of it. I've just grown in as a person. Like I look back at the mill from 2014 or, you know, when I first started at zero is definitely, I am definitely a different mill now than to what I started because the journey has been character building. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, I've mm. made mistakes and I've learned from them and I've learned more about showing grace and being more humble. And 
you know, it is definitely a journey and a learning process that that you go on. And, and it's a challenging one, and it's tiring. We've mm. just we've just about completed our ICB workshop round around Australia, and and I've been talk- following that. Yeah, it's been it's been incredible. I mean, again, you know, you, you talk about the support that we get within the community. I mean, I had a session in Perth a couple of weeks ago, and I just I actually went into it feeling a little bit tired and a little bit worn down. But by the end of the day, I was up and about. It was just magnificent to be able to be around people again and our people, if we can call it that. And um, the encouragement I got, even though I was the one again up front speaking, the encouragement I got, I think, was more than maybe I poured out into the group that day. It was fantastic. You mentioned that um, you've just returned recently from the United States. I'm envisaging there's been times in the last 12 months with all the all the stuff that you do that you too have experienced that tiredness that you know that uh, exhaustion from just in the mix of all this chaos of the last 12 months tell us about the trip to America and how that unfolded because I'm fascinated uh so I'll go right back to March 2020 when lockdowns happened in Australia. So I've had several mentors and coaches that I've worked with um, over the last few years based out of the United States. And one of the things that I did going into a coaching business was I really invested heavily in myself. So heavily to get the support, the education, everything that I needed so that I could be the best that I could be, um, you know, self-improvement. But when, when we hit COVID, you know, and it was just me and Anna really in the business with a VA uh, at the time. And we just looked at each other and went, what are we going to do? Potentially this means our business could just fold. I mean, who's going to be purchasing online education? And I mean, you know, our online education starts at $1,900. So it's not it's not just spare change and it goes, you know, right up to high tickets, sort of 30000 a year, depending on on what you know, whether you want one-to-one stuff. But we thought, what are we going to do? And I remember Anna and I had a Zoom call and I said, do you know what? I'm not going to worry about that. We just need to serve our clients. And so we started coaching every single day. So to the bookkeepers that were in our Kickstart program, we were just like, I'm going to turn up to coach whatever you need. I actually went and wrote a whole Facebook ads module on, okay, how do you get visible online? Because people are going to need you. People um, need to have all of their stuff up to date so they can get stimulus package support. And this is not just in Australia. This is in Canada. This is in the US. This is in the UK. We even had a lady, a lady in Serbia that we were looking after, New Zealand. So we just doubled down and Facebook ad world went crazy. And one of the decisions that I made, me being a risk taker, everyone was pulling out of Facebook advertising. And I said to my media buyer, no, double the ad spend. We're going hard at this. So I took a risk and I had about three to four months where leads were very, very cheap to buy Facebook. And so the business just exploded because we were more visible to more people and literally, we went from two people to now we have like 40 people in the organization all over the world. Wow. In, yeah. you know, like a year. I mean, that was one of the, you know, I thought COVID was going to be bad for us. It obviously came out the other way, but we used that opportunity to then pay it forward to support bookkeepers all around the world, help 
other small businesses. So it's definitely a pay it forward thing. And, and all of those coaching clinics, we recorded them. We've got a year's worth of content there just from all of these, these clinics that we did. But that is how I went to go to, to the US. So we needed to, I incorporated over there and knew that I needed to go over there to plant my sales and marketing team in coaches. And that's what we did. So I just thought, I've got to go. I've got to do this because if I don't go over there and spend time with my team and get on the ground and hire the people and set the culture, then it's just not going to go. So my husband and I decided to apply to the Australian government to see if we could leave to travel to... This is right in the middle of the pandemic, isn't it? Have yeah. I got this right? Yeah. It was right yeah. in... October last right. year. And and that's when my business, my business mentor at the time was based in, in Nashville. So they were like, yeah, come over, come over, come over. We'll look after you. So that's what we did. And at the same time, we had a team of people, we wrote and took to market in a period of eight weeks, our bookkeeper kickstart program, which is... A program, it's like $97, right? Really low entry level program to teach mainly women how to learn how to do bookkeeping, how to get QuickBooks certified, how to get their first one to two clients. The idea behind that was how can we help people reskill or bring some extra income into the household? And so we did both of those things at the same time and it just, it just exploded. And, you know, potentially we were looking to stay over in the US a little bit longer, but our visas, you know, expired and we couldn't get them renewed without coming back home. And we just decided that, no, we're going to come back home for a period of time. We'll probably go back again once travel opens. But so we spent, you know, 90 days <laughs> in the US and hired our team and and met lots of amazing people. I actually spoke at a bookkeeping event over there in Florida, which was fun, you know, masks, <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. you know, airports were like a ghost town. I kept saying to Lincoln, it's like a zombie movie. I'm waiting for a zombie to jump out, <laughs> you know, and grab me because all the shops are boarded up and there was just no one there. But so, you know, it was, it was last year for the Melanie Power business. It was, it was just very, very exciting because all of these unexpected things happened and we kind of just went, well, okay, now we've got problems because we're dealing with massive growth, which is, you know, um, a problem in itself to deal with. Yeah, it is. Yeah, absolutely it is. Bizarrely, but, um, but it is. <laughs> so that's how we came to be in the US, but we've now helped 4,000 beautiful wow. ladies actually <laughs> change their lives through the heart of bookkeeping. So wow. the simple debit and credit and keeping yeah. small owners organized, just simple stuff. Yeah. And then these women are helping small businesses and bringing, you know, some of them have only got one client. They might be bringing $400 a month into their home, but $400 into their home every month is actually a lot of money and can, can be the difference between, you know, kids getting the things, essential things that they need. So that is super special, Mel, because that goes beyond just corporately trying to grow your own business. You, you haven't um, clearly done that deliberately. It's just the, the methods and the processes that you've put in place are serving the double purpose of supporting you, but supporting, well, by the sounds of it, thousands of families now around the world. So I, I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm now regretting that we haven't got uh, two or three hours because I would love to just tap into that. <laughs> 
for another at least hour and a half, I reckon. But we are on a on, on a tight ship today, so um, you, you then faced fourteen days of quarantine when you came back. Is that right? I'm guessing that that was fun. Yes. If anyone wants to see my quarantine diaries, go to my Facebook page, follow me at the Mill Power. You'll see them there. That was the most watched series and most engagement I've ever had in my life on social media. It was a lot of fun and uh, I did survive quarantine. Yes, my marriage is still intact. (laughs) (laughs) There there, there you go. The key to every marriage. Spend at least 14 days locked in the hotel room together and see how it lasts. (laughs) I think day six I, I woke up and went, oh, I can't do this anymore. And interestingly enough, the night before we were about to leave, I was like, I'm so done. What if we don't get and all of that, you know, get out and all that sort of stuff sets in. But, you know, mm. mindset, positivity and mm. being able to look at a situation and go, how can I use this situation to do something really awesome? Yeah, great, great lessons there, great lessons in themselves. So just just finally your perception of the state of the United States, was it? Chaos, like we sometimes get reported on the news, or you know, did you did you find that the people were still you know feeling encouraged and and trying to work through the horrible situation they are in, as is most of the rest of the world, other than than us, it appears at the moment. Um, was it a sad place to be, or was it was it still a great place to be? Well, you know, I would have to say that I really have a depth of love for the USA. The people are well, you know. The experience we had was pretty special and we travelled, we were mainly in Tennessee, Franklin, a little place about 20 minutes south of Nashville, Kentucky. We travelled to Florida, Savannah, Georgia, Charlotte, Asheville. You know, people are people and no matter where you go in the world, you're always going to get people that present themselves in different walks of life. I think the big difference was that America is going through was going through such a, a time of political unrest and, and potentially they're, they're still in that place now. And people were just like, we just want to know what's going to happen. These are our beliefs and then there's one person with one side of a belief, the other person's got another side, one's down the middle. And I think if anything, that taught me more now than ever that as humans we need to show grace and respect and tolerance Mm, for each other. And Mm. it was a great experience for me. There were some hairy moments in some places that we went that I felt uncomfortable. But, you know, there's places you can go in Sydney and feel like that. So... I I think um, it's a been it's been a, definitely been a very interesting journey, and I'm actually really glad that I got to experience that because it was different to when I'd been there before. As you know, when everything's active, when we're in Florida at Orlando, there was no one there. Theme parks were gone. The place was a ghost town. It was just so surreal. Yet I saw all these amazing, beautiful acts of human care and community service. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing that I think, again, we don't really get to see in the the news of a night time is mm-hmm. those acts of kindness and those acts of love that we've yes. somehow landed on in this session today, Mel, and I'm, I'm loving the fact that we have <laughs> because it's so, 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 it's doing my heart amazingly good today. I, I wish the news would just focus in on what you've just talked about a little bit more rather than the trouble and the chaos and the... 
and and all the issues that they obviously believe sell the news. Well, but, what you just said, selling the news is what it's about, isn't it? There's a message. It, it, it is. Now, that's another conversation we could have. (laughs) That's right. I want to move into the last part of of what I really want to tap into, and that is tap into you for, and that is your amazing skill to use the various forms of communication that we now have in the world. And um, maybe just tell me, you know, did you stumble across all the different ways that you found that you can reach out to people? Or was it something you did from a calculated point of view? And even better still, I believe you're about to launch yet another form of communication that I'd love for you to share with the listeners. Oh, thanks, Rob. Actually, I have to say it was very much something I stumbled upon. And I talked earlier about my journey, how I left my first bookkeeping business was completely burned out. And then I um, went into a motorcycle dealership with my husband That motorcycle dealership taught me so much. And I have to say, I really didn't like it. I mean, I was working with boys for a start in a workshop (laughs) environment, selling motorbikes. I mean, like, ugh. And I love pink and all that girly stuff. So it was was really out of my comfort zone. But, you know, the challenge was thrown out to me, oh, Mel, you can't sell motorbikes. You can't do this. And I was like, don't tell me I can't do that. (laughs) And so I just decided that I was going to get really good at it and I needed to find a way to communicate with customers and I didn't want to go and pay lots of money on advertising in the paper because I tried that before and it just doesn't really give results. So I found a little thing called Facebook and what you see now is the result of years and years of actually just doing stuff and testing stuff. Like I was doing Facebook ads before it was even really a thing. Mm. And so, you know, it's obviously the rest of the world has caught up. But I often talk about this one concept in my teaching called, it's about, you know, cause and effect. A lot of people, when they go to try marketing, they try it for a week and they go, oh, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, that's because you haven't tried long enough. Like I tried years before and spent hundreds and thousands of dollars of on the over the years on Facebook and lost some money on some really stupid decisions I made. But you know what? I've learned from that. So now when other people come to get support, they get the benefit of those mistakes and those learnings. So I did mm. kind of fall into it, but then obviously, you know, I honed my craft too. I invested to learn more about digital marketing. How could I take something that I'd learnt through happenstance and circumstance and then get more refined um, mm. and better, you know, um, you know, get better at copywriting. I'm a natural writer and creator. That's just, I'm a creative, I'm a musician. Um, in another life, that's what I would have done full time, but I'm kind of able to, you know, be, do all those creative things now, which is really good. But um, yeah, so it, it definitely is happenstance. But talking about communication, I'm actually about to release a podcast Yes. I've had a couple of different podcasts and things over the years, but this one really is the title says it all. It's called Power and Grace. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And everything that you and I have talked about today, about the heart of everything, about encouragement and loving people and encouraging people into their own gifts and talents. This is what it's about. And it's in particular designed for women 
So mm-hmm. it's just a couple of minutes every day of aspirational, inspirational and encouraging and loving stories really, stories from my own life and stories in experiences that other people have shared with me. So Yeah. I have no doubt you're going to really hit a hit an accord there. So how will listeners be able to tune in just through the normal channels, um, Spotify? Yeah, iTunes? just yeah, yeah, all of those normal channels. If you just follow me at the Mel Power on any of the channels, you'll find me. Just stay tuned in, and it'll be released. You'll be able to just um, listen to it through iTunes, Spotify, all those places. And hit that subscribe button. As we encourage everybody on Heart of the Bookkeeper, hit that subscribe button. It will uh, keep you in tune with what's happening and, and in Mel's case, uh, a daily inspiration, I'm certain. So um, I'm looking forward to that, Mel. I'll certainly be hitting the subscribe button. So we're going to wind up because I'm conscious of your time, your very valuable time, and I've taken up probably a little bit more than I um, promised I would do. So in my honour and pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, I'm not going to let you go. We have this little thing at the end of Heart of the Bookkeeper, which we call debits and credits. Now, the the regular listeners will know the story behind debits and credits, but basically it's, you know, it's a play on the fact that, you know, we all love a good journal entry and for whatever reasons, and, and they're only mine, nobody has to really run with them, but I always, I've always viewed the debit side of the ledger as being sort of a little bit of a serious side. I don't know why the debits just seem serious to me and the credits seem a lot more fun. So we've got four questions, two debits and two credits. We've got to have, you know, we've got to have an equal, you know, we've got to make sure the ledger balances. We know that. As I love it already. <laughs> so, and, and as I keep calling out, the good bookkeepers know you always start with your debit line first. So a bit of more of a serious question to start off with, okay? Crystal ball. I I think we've called out the fact that, um, you know, you have been witness to incredible evolution in the bookkeeping community and, you know, loosely we say industry as well from time to time across, say, at least the last 10 years you called out, you know, 2006, 7, and things really started to take off after that. The last 10, 15 years have been amazing. In a sentence, where where do you see bookkeeping in 10 years' time, another 10 years down the track? Are you seeing a positive move forward with bookkeeping? Oh, absolutely. So I actually see, and I've been saying this for years, that the compliance is a commodity and that the race is on to zero for compliance mm. work, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's a necessity. But for bookkeepers, it's actually not even, well, it's not even really about data entry for us anymore. We are the organisers. We are the profit guardians. We are the people that partner, we advise, we counsel the business owners. We are only going to get busier in what Mm. we're doing. As technology Mm. develops, our tools get better and better to help us Mm. organise the information. But for us, we are the closest people to our clients in that business And so our role, you just look at what's happened through COVID. Who are people calling? I don't Mm. understand JobKeeper. My marriage is Mm. breaking up because my husband's (laughs) so stressed. What do I do? Like it's, it's, we are partnering with small businesses and going on this journey with them. So we are definitely not going away. Our role has become even more important in the last 12 months and will become even more important. If you're a young person listening to this and you're thinking about this as a profession, do it. Great answer. Great answer. Love it. Let's move to a credit. 
Okay. Um, I've got I've got a really, really important credit to finish on. But this one, oh, I think it's just as important. We started with hashtag my, um, my Maitland. You're clearly in New South Wales. The listening public wants to know, are you a rugby league person or an AFL person? Are you on the Sydney Swans or are you on one of the Sydney rugby league teams? Or maybe you're just not into football at all. Very interested to find out. I like equestrian. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Don't don't say any more. Don't say any more. I love it. That's a great answer. And that was a political <laughs> answer. <laughs> I, I reckon there's thousands of people out there right now going, amen, sister. What's this football question from Rob Marshall? Move on. <laughs> so, okay, let's move on. Okay, second debit. You, we started with hashtag my Maitland. Your other hashtag that just grabs my attention every single day is hashtag paying it forward. Now, I reckon we've all got something in mind that we think what that means in one sentence. What does paying it forward mean to you? Empowering other people to believe in themselves that they can do what they want to do and achieve it. Wow. That is, if you have just heard that and you didn't quite take it in, rewind and listen again because that that's that's amazing. That is actually the best example I've heard of paying it forward because I've heard different people explain it and they'll give examples of how to pay it forward, but that is just sensational. Because I'm going to finish on a question that's just I think could potentially blow you and the listeners clean away. Uh, it's one of the world's greatest conundrums. It divides nations. It divides, well, well it's, it's divided the world. Mel Power, I simply need to know your final credit in debits and credits for today is, is there a place for pineapple on a pizza or not? Well, I would say that the answer is it depends on who's eating it. <laughs> You've nailed the answer because that's exactly how I see it too. I mean, if I like pineapple on a pizza, well, I should be able to enjoy the darn thing. So, exactly. But if, if you don't, yeah, no, great Great way to finish. Uh, oh, like I say, that's divided nations, that question. So uh, you, you've, <laughs> as you've done right through this I'm being podcast, a fence-sitter, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you have clearly thought that one through. Mel, Mel Power, you are somebody that is highly and widely respected in our community. It has been an absolute pleasure to spend some time with you today. I'm really, really honoured and, and have appreciated you sharing your heart on Heart of the Bookkeeper today in, in a really special way and probably one that I don't think either of us were quite sure where it was going to go. But that's what we love about this particular podcast. There are no rules and uh, it's up oh, to the I love individual. <laughs> it's, it's... But I don't know. I think I like rules so I know I can break them. <laughs> I'm sure Matthew you're, Addison, if you're listening, he'll be going, yep, that's Mel. <laughs> that's, that's Matthew Addison, absolutely. <laughs> Mel, once again, thank you for joining us today on Heart of the Bookkeeper. We continue to watch your evolution, your revolution, and the things that you do with, with massive interest. You are very inspirational and influential in our community, and, and I know there are many who, ha if they could have a voice right now, would want to thank you for that. So I'll do it on their behalf. Thank you, Mel Power. Aww. Thank you for joining Heart of the Bookkeeper and we wish you very all the very best for your future ahead. Thank you, Rob. 
Well, that brings us to the end of episode five, and we are so thankful to Mel and the way that she has shared in this episode. And I'm pretty certain that everybody who has taken the time out to listen to this episode will be touched by the way Mel has shared her heart and explained so many things that are within the bookkeeping processes and community that we revolve around but go beyond just the simple crunching of numbers and the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. Thank you again, Mel. We really, really hope that you continue to have an amazing journey ahead and I'm sure many of us will continue to follow that on the social media platforms and other, other ways that you share that on a daily basis. And don't forget Mel's podcast as well. When that comes out, make sure you tune in. We have got some amazing guests coming up over the coming months with Heart of the Bookkeeper. So we look forward to you joining us again very soon. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, folks. We absolutely love your heart and we look forward to the next episode of Heart of the Bookkeeper and you joining us. Until then, stay safe and well. Well,